You're listening to Gamers in Hot Tubs Talking Nerd Life, conversational podcasts about the positive impact video games have had on our lives. Recorded live on kick from a hot tub in the game Palia. This is episode one with our special guest, Shohei, covering topics such as JRPGs, gaming's impact on mental health, and memories of games from our youth. If you'd like to support the podcast or be a guest on an upcoming episode, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. And visit our Beacons page at beacons.ai slash hottubgamers. You can follow both of us on Kick at Bad Wolf Rose and Plaid Baron, respectively. Without further ado, here's episode one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gamers in Hot Tubs Talking Nerd Life. This is episode one. I am Danny, better known as Plaid Baron. And I am Kaylee, uh, better known as Bad Wolf Rose or Rose. And our guest today is Shohei from Twitch. Hi, how's it going? Good, show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me as your first guest. I'm stoked. Welcome aboard. Hope uh, hope the hot tub's comfy. Hope you're doing good on this beautiful Saturday morning. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you for joining us. We are very excited to have you here. <laughs> I'm excited to talk some gaming. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself and get the show on the road? Sure. Yeah, so I go by Shohei online. I met Kaylee in Final Fantasy XIV. We played a lot of that together. We ran a guild together. That was super fun. Um, I'm currently on a, a, a bit of a journey myself. I have uh, some chronic head pain 24-7, which has been tough to deal with. But, you know, it's been a big strain on my mental health. But I'm on a quest to get that fixed while staying positive, still enjoying life, that kind of thing. In terms of gaming, I generally prefer, like, Japanese games, uh, weird single-player games, that kind of stuff. On, like, an immediate short-term note, I'm really just trying to figure out how not to die in Lethal Company. That that game is kicking my ass right now, but it's super fun. I'm also working on a hardcore WoW classic character for some reason, because I, I guess I hate um, myself. You are? That was going to be my explanation for that as well. <laughs> obviously, you hate yourself, so... Yep. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> yep, thank you. He's, uh, my hunter's 38 right now, Damn, so he's dude. up there, but uh, the hardest levels are to come. Yeah. You almost have a mount. Oh, my God. Oh, level-wise, maybe. Gold-wise, not so much, okay? <laughs> life's, life's hard out here. Oh, my God. I bet in hardcore, Jesus, I can't imagine. I've been, like, trying to start a hardcore character with friends and like it's so hard to gather like a pack of us so we can survive <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah yeah so that's what's going on with me oh wow so you know i don't want to i don't want to rush things ahead too much because we've got a couple hours to fill yeah so the big question that we want to ask our guests like right at the start of the show is what is your quest yeah, yeah. So I think for me personally, it's like mostly dealing with this headache thing. I've had it for over seven years now, where it's like 24-7 head pain. It was like ridiculous at the start. I didn't really do a whole lot with my life, but um, it's it's been about putting together the pieces and building something that works within my life. And video games have been there every single step of the way. Video games do so much for my mental health and not just in like brain chemistry. It's like actually provides me like new perspective and stuff like that. So that's really been a big part of my quest. 
do you have any idea what maybe set this off in the first place? No, no, I actually, it was like a morning like any other. I woke up just with like a headache. I started putting like ice on my head. I was like, man, this like really hurts. And seven years later, it has not gone away. Uh, I've had multiple uh, surgeries done in my sinuses to try and alleviate a lot of the pressure, but it hasn't taken. Pretty rough surgeries, rough recovery processes, and nothing's kicked yet. So yeah, we're, we're just trying to stay positive and keep looking for new solutions and yeah, trying to actually enjoy the video games that come out and not let this stuff get in my head too much. Wow. Yeah, so anybody who's listening, if you'd like to help show afford some ibuprofen, uh, please make sure to go <laughs> subscribe to him on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash showhey. And yeah, show, show him some support. <laughs> I appreciate that. Dude, I have known you for a few years now, and it's you are an amazing person. Like, watching you go through all this with the pain that you do have, you, you stay positive, and you're always trying to, like, bring positivity to people, too. I think whenever I have got to game with you and spend time with you, like, it's, yeah, you're, you're a special show. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, do you have any questions before we get started with topics? No, not at all. Let's get right to it. All right. So topic number one, uh, we'd like to hear about basically what got you started in gaming. What's the first game you remember playing and what kind of impact do you think that that game or games leaves on you to this day? Oh, God. Yeah, I, I love this question. I always love remembering like the early years of gaming for me. So I did not have an older sibling. Uh, I'm 31 right now. I was born in 92. I didn't have an older sibling. So I didn't really get into like the Dreamcasty kind of stuff. But my dad, I guess, was like a bit of a cheapskate at the time. Uh, so while there was an N64 available, which could have been my first console, he got a Super NES instead, which like, you know, you could see that as a scummy move or whatever. But I, I am so thankful that he did that because I got to play the original Donkey Kong Country games as my first games. And Donkey Kong. holy shit, that set such a bar for like visuals and music in gaming. It has stuck with me my entire life. I feel like Donkey Kong was so unique. I can just see so many of the levels. I can see the sprites. The music was absolutely incredible. And it really solidified my perception of video games as an art form. Like all these, all these years back then, the way I experienced that game was as if it was art. In terms of like my actual brain chemistry, I would say the, the main games to influence me came a little bit later on the the Game Boy Advance. Fire Emblem was a, was a really big one. Golden Sun, those two games were like absolutely incredible for me. I love Golden Sun so much. Hell yeah, dude. Oh. I, it, there was no third game though. It was just the two. The first time I saw the battle screen camera transition in Golden Sun, my, my mind just exploded. Oh, hell yeah. And that music is now in my head, that battle music. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god, I never played that. One of y'all is going to have to link me a video to that. <laughs> it's like, they're like uh, very similar to like Final Fantasy, like purely turn-based. You have a party of four, they all have different magic, that kind of stuff. But then they did some pseudo 3D stuff, which on GBA at the time was ridiculously impressive. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, very cool. And the other game I think that I spent way too much time on would be Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. So I've always heard tactics is so good. <laughs> all three of those games, all Japanese, all tactical games. Like I didn't play a lot of action games as a kid, but basically it has put in me this like this addiction to seeing stats go up. Basically, I don't mean that in like a negative way, but 
with with having those three games as a kid, I I really enjoy numbers going up. Okay, numbers going up is good. I was gonna say, but like big numbers go burr. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, that is just a part of like my brain now. But being aware of that and like not taking it as anything more than it is uh, is also really good too. I did also really enjoy the first three gens of Pokemon. I wouldn't say those like completely like shaped me as a person or anything, but I, I spent way too much time. I feel like I have to ask this question while you're talking about all these games that are Japanese. Is this what kind of fueled your name inspiration? Yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> for those who don't know, Shohei, the way I spell it, so Shohei <laughs> is obviously like a very normal Japanese name. You know, there's a, a famous pitcher in the Major League Baseball named Shohei Otani as an example. But I, I spell it like phonetically because I, I am a white dude. Okay, I am a, a Canadian white dude. I, I should not have a Japanese name. My, my name is that name spelt as a, a white guy would spell it, I guess. It's sort of like the running joke. It's not very funny, but it was funny to me at the time. No, I think it's hilarious. That's why, like, I'm literally telling my chat. I'm like, when I first met you and you, you explained this to me, like, I, I remember, like, laughing and enjoying it. Like, I thought it was funny and really cute. And, like, it's so perfect, in my opinion. So. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I thought you think so. Danny, did you play the Golden Sun games growing up as well? I had a friend who had them, and so I would play them when he and I chilled. I, I definitely remember enjoying them, but I never got the chance to go too in-depth with them. Gotcha. Uh, I don't mean to like just turn it on you, but what was your, like, did you have like a major JRPG or RPG growing up? Uh, my first JRPG was FF7, Ooh. like so many others, and then FF8 right after, then back to FF6, Cool. and then Persona 3 after nice. that. Gosh, I was a big Persona person. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Persona series is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, SMT as well, yeah. <laughs> I have like a really big FF7 confession while you guys are like talking about FF7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I didn't play it until 20 years later. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. It, it looks too dated for me. I, I played it in 97. I'm not even embarrassed to admit it. I'm proud <laughs> to admit it. Awesome. I didn't even know the spoilers. Like, I'm sad I never enjoyed it back then. Like, I wish I would have played it. And then lately, it's not a JRPG specifically oh what is the name of it oh my god <laughs> while well, you google what it is oh wandering sword that's what it's called wandering sword I i've never, never heard, heard of that. that yeah so it's actually a singaporean developed rpg okay but it's very inspired by octopath traveler in terms of style nice but the soundtrack is unbelievable and it just Ooh, it shines. That game absolutely shines. I highly recommend it. And the name of that again? Wandering Sword. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I love talking to people like this because I get to learn about all these games I have never heard of. And it's incredible and really entertaining. And to hear their experience with these unique games is great. Are we on to our uh, next topic? We might be. Be, but yeah, let's let's drag this out a little bit. Okay. Rose, so what other JRPGs have you enjoyed? Oh, I'm not the one to ask. I am such an MMO person. I've played a lot of RPGs. You've played half of 10 or something, right? You're in FF14. <laughs> 
Well, 14 is a MMO. I played 11, which is an MMO. It's a JRPG is MMO. It? Is it really? Oh, yeah. Not if you skip all the cutscenes, right? <laughs> well, yeah, then at that point. <laughs> hey, I played Shadowbringers and Endwalker. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, God, what did I play growing up? Like, we talked about this last week, but like I played a lot of like Street Fighter and Sonic and Crash Bandicoot. And you learned to drive from Gran Turismo, yeah. apparently. Yeah, I did oh my, my homework. Gosh. Hey, you did. You did. I heard you make a comment whenever we first started this. Oh, that you didn't have siblings growing up. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. from our podcast. <laughs> but I didn't. It's funny. I owned like a Game Boy and a Game Boy Advance, but I don't remember what I played on that. I remember having Pokemon on them. But I don't remember, like, thoroughly playing them. It was hard for me to, like, sit and play handhelds at that time. So I just remember playing Sonic and Crash Bandicoot and Diddy Kong Racing and, yeah, Grand Trees. <laughs> Diddy Kong Racing was such a fun game. It's so hard, though. Oh I went God. back to, like, replay it, it a few years ago. The bosses are so hard. They are. <laughs> and, like, the, I love the sounds in that game. The oh, music yeah. and all the sounds are just, like, golden. Yeah. I remember when uh, when Fall Guys came out, me and my buddies, we all muted the in-game music and we just played the Diddy Kong Racing music and it was such a blast. That must be the way to win a round. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It gets you so hyped. Because I have put 30 hours into Fall Guys and I never won a round. I never got a crown at the oh, end. No way. So obviously I need to put on the Diddy Kong Racing soundtrack. Yeah, that's what you've been missing. Okay, so I have another confession. I have never played Fall Guys. Oh, you should. It's so fun. It's been on my PC for a while, and I've like wanted to jump in and join people, but I haven't got the chance to. Collector can attest to this. We lost many an hour to Fall Guys. <laughs> and also he asks if you have a fire cape in RuneScape. I, I think he means a pizza cape. It clearly looks like pizza. <laughs> um, I actually don't play RuneScape, but I have buddies that do, so I, I understand. Yeah, no, that, that thing does not look like fire. It looks like cheese pizza, my guy. Oh my god, pizza. Pizza cape. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people always will get mad if you call their fire capes pizza capes, but I'm sorry. That's what it is. I mean, now all I can picture is somebody like running around with a pizza on their back. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Yep. Yep. You ever oh seen uh, like Spaceballs Pizza the Hut the movie? Oh my god, yes. Yeah, it's like yes. having Pizza the Hut on your back. I love Spaceballs. <laughs> why do you Why do you think we set up a merch shop before our first episode was even online? Hot tubs the merch. Merchandising <laughs> is where the real money is made. Which, hey guys, if you want to check out our merch store, let me plug this in real fast. Um, Beacons.ai slash hot tub gamers. And our merch store is there. You can find our podcast up on Spotify and SoundCloud and iHeartRadio. And Pandora. And Pandora. <laughs> basically everywhere you get your podcasts. If we did our homework correctly. <laughs> Which we basically did... But Apple's a pain in the butt, and I'm not afraid Dude. to say that out loud. Just let us make an account. Do I have to, like, go up to the Genius Bar and be like, Hi, I'm starting a podcast, and I need a business account. <laughs> oh, my God. We have tried to make a podcast or a, an account on Apple show like four or five times now, and it just keeps giving us an error, but it doesn't tell us what's wrong with how we're oh, making the account. I hate that. It makes me so mad. Can't figure it mm -hmm. out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, like, we've tried different names. We've tried different birthdays. We've tried different email addresses. We've tried everything. It's being really, really strange. This keeps up. I am going to have to go over to the Genius Bar 
and be like, hi, I'm not actually an Apple customer yet because you guys aren't letting me make an account. I, I think it would be so funny, right? You present this to one genius and he's like, oh, okay, I'll fix that for you. But it, within like 20 minutes, there's like seven geniuses crowding around an iPad being like, why is it not working? He can't make an account. Why is it not working? <laughs> How many geniuses does it take to make an account? <laughs> exactly. They have to call in like geniuses from another store and then like they're all crowding around this one iPad. What did South Park call it? The um, Like when the, when the geniuses all connect hands and then form uh, an energy pentagram from their mouths. Oh, what? yeah, I forget what they call that. Yeah. <laughs> A qui- was that the quickening? Maybe. <laughs> I have not seen that. Oh, it's the best episode. Apple and South Park. Okay. All right. I thought the World of Warcraft episode was pretty awesome. (laughs) The World of Warcraft episode, okay, if you follow, there's a YouTuber who goes by Pirate Software. He used to work for Blizzard, and his dad was Blizzard's cinematic director for 20 years. So, like, all the amazing cinematics of Blizzard from Diablo 2, World of Warcraft, Warcraft 3, etc., that was him. He was the fat guy in the World of Warcraft episode. No way. Yeah. And he made sure of it. That's amazing. He insisted that Trey and Matt put him into the episode as that character. They consulted with him to make sure (laughs) that it was, like, game accurate. Oh, my God. And such. And he insisted that he be the fat guy. (laughs) That's incredible. Like, South Park lore will forever be this amazing golden thing, I feel like. Like, after watching their... It was, was it a special on HBO where they showed how they made an episode in, like, 24 hours or something stupid? Yeah, a week or something. Yeah. yeah. It, it was incredible to watch that and see how they, like, problem-solve things and talk about things. And, like, now I just want to sit in a room and be a fly on the wall and, like, enjoy their content from that experience or that way to experience it. <laughs> I love behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Oh, same. You know, especially, like, we don't get a lot of video game behind-the-scenes it's mostly just people staring at a computer screen versus something like music and television and movies. There's more of a fluidity to it, I would say. I'm hoping that video game development at some point in the future can sort of match that same level of fluidity, but for the most part, just, yep, staring at a computer screen for eight hours a day. There can be uh, some funny parts to it, though. Like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the game uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Mm -hmm. So if you play that, you can actually have like in-game developer commentary where like your character gets to a certain point and a pop-up appears and you can press a key and then the developer commentary will play and you can kind of walk around and and they'll talk about the stuff that you're seeing. Uh, I found that really interesting and there's a lot of funniness to it. Like uh, they realized when making the combat encounters that like the AI could not go through doorways in their game. So they had to, they were talking about how, okay, how do we design levels that don't have doorways, like have big spaces without doorways. And they had to like do a lot of cheat stuff. Like there's one bathroom in the game that doesn't actually have a functional door um, because they, they were like, okay, well, it'd be really cheap if players go in here and the enemies can't follow them. They're like, well, remove the door. Who's, who's going to notice? <laughs> like, I love that kind of stuff. Like the little smoke and mirrors that get played in the background um, that you don't really Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that, that's almost more like an airport bathroom at that point. It's just like an archway over it and then you go in like yeah that that works why not (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i love little little stories like that but generally you know it's not all going to be fun anecdotes it's like you said it's people staring at a screen for a long time and getting frustrated 
Yeah, exactly. There's this one coding meme where, you know, the, the guy's looking at the screen and he's like, my code doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Ten minutes later, okay, my code works. Why does it work? <laughs> oh, my God, that was me the other night doing code in Arc. What do you have to code in in Arc? Is that Python? Or? So I was just using, uh, I opened a private server on Nitrato, and on Nitrato you have, um, you copy and paste the code. Um, and adjust like multipliers and stuff in it. Yeah. Um, not fun. Don't recommend. Not everything is there, and you have to go find everything you need. Oof, that's definitely rough. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting into, so that was partly on my fault. But then once I got into it, yeah, yeah, I was stuck. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, I think we're I think we're ready to move on. Rose, you want to take this next one? Yes, absolutely. So our next topic, tell us about a game you loved that nobody has ever heard of. So I think I sort of have like two tiers to this question because, you know, especially if you have people listening to a gaming podcast, what games they have heard of are going to be, I I have high hopes of your audience that they have actually probably heard of uh, most of the games that I would recommend. Well, and you have an advantage. You're the first one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So for a game that I don't think anyone has actually heard of and i'm sure someone has there was this old ps2 game that me and my next door neighbor bought on a whim that just kind of looked silly and we didn't really know what it was and which very risky at the time jesus but we it was called magic penjo and it was a kind of pokemon style game but instead of catching pets you drew your pets uh so it, it included a 3d drawing system where you drew shapes with different colors and you would form your own monster then you'd go to like an arena and battle against other people's and it was like the world was like the rough story of the game was that the world had been drained of color and we were uh finding color and creating creatures with color which was bringing color back to the world uh it was really cool and had a a really awesome like um flamenco uh soundtrack that has like really stuck with me Oh my god, that sounds really cool. You draw your own monsters and you fight with them? I feel like that's like a kid's dream when you're drawing it. Like you're drawing all this art and you want it to come to life. It was like really cool though, because like all the different colors that you use, like you had a certain amount of pigment that you could use uh, for your creations. And it would like, this isn't exactly how it worked, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, if you had a lot of blue, if your monster was like a very blue dominated creature, it would like have certain stats relating to that and strengths and weaknesses and that kind of thing. Uh, it was super fun. I don't know if it would like hold up nowadays, but it's a very fond memory, and I have yet to like find someone else that has played it. Wait, that is fucking wild. So you got to draw your own monsters, and they came to life, and you got to battle with them. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like you know, you're using PS2 analog sticks, so you're not making uh, very uh, detailed creatures. They're usually just blobs in the shape of a human or a dog or whatever. But uh, yeah, there was yeah, it was cool. But still. Like, I feel like this is every little kid's dream. Like, you're drawing on, like, a piece of paper with your crayons or your markers or whatever, and, like, you want that to, like, come to life. That's so true. Like, yeah. that's really fucking cool. Like, that's like, a game making kids' dreams come true. <laughs> I feel like PS2 had such a ridiculously deep catalog of stuff that nobody's ever heard of and nobody has ever played because it, it was really the shovelware console of that generation. Yeah. And... You know, the next generation, that was definitely the Wii. Yeah. But PS2 has so many deep cuts 
you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, the only reason there's so many deep cuts on PS2 is because there's shovelware. Well, there's gems in there, too. Like this one. What was the name of that again? Magic Pengel. Magic so, Pengel. Last word spelled P-E-N-G-E-L. So, was it PlayStation 1 that got heavily modded with, like, those little, like, chips you could stick in the back of it? Every console has had mod chips. <laughs> Have they seriously? No. But there was, like, a time where, like, so it ruined Dreamcast. Was PlayStation 1 around that time, or was it PlayStation 2 that was around that time? PlayStation 2 and Dreamcast were out at the same time. Sega's console in the PlayStation 1 generation was the Saturn. Oh, okay, okay, that's true. Because I feel like whenever you could mod those consoles, it was like this big deal, and all of a sudden, like, your whole world of games opened up. And so I don't know if that affected the, like, library and, like, the reason we got all these, like, really unique things because of that. The, the mod chips didn't play a whole big factor in that that mostly just opened up like emulation of older platforms and some like downloadable software okay i remember being like this magical thing as a kid (laughs) (laughs) now the the magical thing as a kid was definitely game genie to like you know game genie oh yeah so game genie essentially like modified how the console read your memory so that you could basically cheat in any game. I have never heard of this. What the fuck? <laughs> you may have been more familiar with like Game Shark or something like nope. that. Like kind of similar thing. No. No? Okay. no? Oh wow. <laughs> How did that slip by you? <laughs> I don't know. You're just so pure that you didn't want to cheat in video games. It's cool. You know, no worries. <laughs> not as a kid. Holy shit. <laughs> no, I definitely did not hear about this. And I didn't know if, if my brother used them. I didn't know. I thought the mod chip was like cheating. <laughs> Uh, so, I was actually just doing a quick Google of this game, Magic Pendulum, and it blows my mind that they actually collaborated with Studio uh, Ghibli to what? make this game. They had, like, oh, a few of the key animators for My Neighbor Totoro worked on the game. Wow. Yeah, which is, like, that's so cool. Yeah, I had no idea until just now. That makes it even more special. <laughs> Did it only come out on PS2? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, apparently it had a sequel that I never heard of, but, yeah, very cool game. Some other games, though, that I don't think... Like a, a lot of people have heard of, maybe you guys have, because you're more in the know. But um, a game I really like to play a lot of is Kenshi. It's like a post-apocalyptic sandbox where you can. It's almost like a RuneScape set in post-apocalypse. Uh, you can either have just one character, you can have like a gang of characters, you can run a whole city, you could be a trader, you could be a bandit, you can do all this cool stuff. It's very much for people who like stories to come naturally out of gameplay and not have it be this like linear thing that's that's like a super fun game definitely have to be like self-motivated though and set your own goals in game but super fun i have never heard of that yeah uh it's i think it took one guy like 12 years to make oh my god it's amazing that people are that dedicated yeah (laughs) they just have an idea and i'm sure he probably didn't know it was going to take 12 years when he started but once you start you can't really yeah can you well, you can if you have <laughs> rent to pay, but... <laughs> yes, fair enough. Yeah, another game I really like. This one's a little more popular. Um, Remedy recently released Alan Wake 2, but their game before that, Control, mm-hmm. is one I always highly recommend. I absolutely love Control. Remedy is an amazing developer. Is it the same kind of style as Alan Wake? Um, it has some, like, fourth wall breaking stuff, but Control is a story of essentially a top-secret government facility that investigates like paranormal, paranatural kind of stuff. And even the facility that the government works in is in itself a supernatural being. It is the supernatural building 
where like the layout shifts and stuff like that like you find memos in the world early on of like protocol what to do if your room shifts and like doesn't have an exit you're just supposed to like stay calm and wait for someone to find <laughs> you if that happens like it's this incredibly interesting setting um and you play a very interesting character as well that seems really interesting whenever i was playing um uh, the Fallen Order recently, and I was in like a scene where like I was staring at a door, and then as I turned my character, my whole room changed. I've never had an experience like that. Oh, the, where where you're having the vision and you turn around and it's the Death Star or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, so. Good. I was not expecting that, and somebody in my chat was like, "Oh my God, have you played Alan Wake?" And then they started explaining to me, like, if I enjoyed that kind of experience that Alan Wake had those kinds of things in it where, like, you would just kind of turn around and be somewhere else. And, like, I don't know. I've never had a video game do that to me where I was just kind of like, oh, shit, where the fuck am I? What is yeah. happening? Is this a dream? Did I just get teleported? Like, I don't know. It was very seamless and very done very well. And then watching, like, the Alan Wake thing you sent me, I'm like, oh, my God, this this studio is, like, amazing <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Um Control, the thing I really like about Control as well is that the game is like 10 hours, maybe 12 hours. Like it's short. It's compact, which mm. in this world that we're in where Assassin's Creed games can be 150 hours or whatever, I, I really like a nice focused experience. Yeah. You know? You spend like a thousand hours on Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many open world experiences now and yeah. live services. and We've gone the other direction. You know, with the idea being give the customer their money's worth and also keep them hooked in so that when we come out with DLC, they'll give us even more money. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, games is a business as well as an art. So it's a very tough line to straddle for a lot of developers. I think Remedy is pretty much like, we're keeping it traditional. We're going to give our players a good, you know, 8 to 15 hour experience every four years or so. And you know, tell a good story while we're at it. And I definitely respect that. Yeah, all they had to give up was, like, I'm pretty sure Epic uh, Epic Games funded the entirety of Alan Wake 2, but they were able to, like, pursue whatever creative liberty they wanted, so it worked out. Uh, just, you have to get the game from Epic. <laughs> it's the only downside. Oh, and that Epic launcher. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whenever you have games that you love or that you, like, really want to play, who cares about the launcher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to play the game, just go get the game and support the developer. Exactly. And, you know, if you can wait six months for it to come out on other platforms, then wait six months. Yeah, exactly. I, one more thing on Remedy. I, I love how they have, they have like, their own in-house band. Like, it's, there's this real-life band called... Poets of the Fall. Poets of the Fall, yeah. And in all their... Well, not all their games, but in a lot of their games, they basically cosplay as this, like, 80s glam band called the Old Gods of Asgard. What? Their own in-house band? That's super fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, and throughout their games, like, they're, like, in-character doing these musical performances, and they have, like, these in-character songs. Uh, it's it's so cool. Remedy is such a fun studio. I, I look forward to whatever they do. Oh, my God. That's really unique. So, so musical <laughs> confession. I discovered Poets of the Fall back in college when I played Max Payne 2. Yeah, cool. I immediately went out and bought their first three albums, Signs of Life, Carnival of Rust, and Revolution Roulette. I kept those albums on a loop for about two, three years straight, nothing <laughs> else. To this day, they are still one of my favorite bands. That's awesome, man. 
Have you seen them live? I've heard they put on an amazing show. They don't tour America. Uh, I think yeah, that makes sense. I think they came to Atlanta once, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, that's that'd be so fun to see. But yeah, it makes sense they don't tour much. Maybe you know, like I think their um their recent video on the YouTube channel where they sort of put together a compilation of like like Kaylee the amazing video I sent you. I don't want to like spoil it for people who haven't played Alan Wake two, but they they sort of posted a. A condensed version on their YouTube channel, and it already has like over well over a million hits. So like maybe you know that this could be the push they need to do a North American tour. I, That'd be super awesome. I would be there in a heartbeat, and I have not been to a concert since 2019. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, feel that. So the last concert I went to was Oakley Dokley, and that's gonna be tough to beat. Oakley Dokley. Apart, is it just a band of Flanders? Like, what's going on? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. It was a death metal uh, Ned Flanders. What? <laughs> so every single song they wrote was based off of a Ned Flanders quote or scene. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That was the best concert I've ever been to in my life. They were so fucking brutal. It was amazing. Everyone's that's just like, hi, Lee Ho, neighbor. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start throwing out donut beach balls for people to rip apart. And Amazing. they come out in the uh, the ski outfit. Oh, my God. <laughs> when, he, when it feels like oh, he's yeah. wearing nothing at all. It feels like all. I'm wearing nothing at all. I don't go to concerts like that. That's funny. It really <laughs> is. But, yeah, Poets of the Fall, highly recommend. They are just musical geniuses. Absolutely love them. And the fact that they can then reform every few years into old gods of asgard <laughs> and go yep. so much more metal than they go the rest oh of the God, time it's such a fan service <laughs> uh, respect they are they are so good yeah i'm gonna have to check them out have you played alan wake 2 yet Danny? i've played alan wake 1 but i haven't played alan okay. wake 2 so i have the collector's edition of alan wake 1 on xbox 360 oh fancy which like came with the journal like the in-game journal just oh, reprinted. Nice. Oh my god, that's awesome. That was a weird game. Yes. It's not one of my favorites, for sure. No. It got to a point... There's there's one level, sort of like halfway through, where you're just jumping from light to light to light, and you have no ammo, and you have no health, and you have no way to get through. I just got so frustrated with it at that point. I was like, you know what? Uh, I think I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I A streamer that I follow would absolutely love Alan Wake 2, but it's been a struggle. Like, his community has, like, really been pushing him to just get through the first one as quickly as possible so that he has context for the second one. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, you being a, a fan of Poets of the Fall, you you need to make some time for Alan Wake 2 in the, <laughs> in the near future, my guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, also Control and Quantum Leap, though. Like, I haven't, yes. I haven't played those either, unfortunately. I Oh, man, yeah, for sure. Quantum Leap was kind of whatever, but yeah, Control and Alan Wake 2 are... I, I I haven't really put the list together, but I think they both would be top 10 games for me. They're so fun. I've heard Control also kind of leads into Alan Wake 2. Yes, especially with its DLC. So there is one other game that is, like, very niche and I think kind of got a bad rap. It's called Marvel's Midnight Suns. Mmm. Yeah, very niche. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, a Marvel game, but... It kind of, I don't think it did really well in sales, um, and it was like, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but Midnight Suns is, um, it's a strategic game, it's like XCOM, or like a Final Fantasy Tactics kind of thing, where you, you're, it's like a grid. But the game uh, has like half of the game that's very strange, so 
the first half of the game, you go out on missions, and essentially how it works is you combine uh, three characters to be your squad, and each of them has a deck of cards, and you combine the three decks when you play as that team. I think there's like, I don't know, 16 heroes to choose from, so you pick three, it combines their decks together, and that's what you're using, and it, it plays sort of like a card game. That part of the game is fantastic. Uh, it's like, if you like strategy games, uh, it, like XCOM likes or anything like that, I, it might be the best combat you can play. However, it's, it's a funny game because there's this whole other half of the game where you come home from your mission and then it becomes a dating sim. Huh. A dating sim? What the fuck? Yeah, on literally my first, after my first mission, and I've replayed the game, so I know this doesn't actually happen every time, but <laughs> the very first time I played this game, coming home from my first mission, immediately after, I was in the hot tub with Tony Stark, and we were just chatting it up. I was like, huh, <laughs> this is a weird game. Okay, wait. <laughs> Hi, Tony. What were you playing as? You have your own unique okay. character that's actually voiced by Matt Mercer, <laughs> uh, and he's called the Hunter, because you're like this ancient demon hunting person that has been revived because there's a demon invasion in modern times in Manhattan. So that's kind of the premise. I will be honest, I did not pay much attention to that story at all, um, or or the dating sim <laughs> elements, but the combat was like so fun and addictive. So The hunter ends up in the hot tub with Tony Stark. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and I, you know, you could, uh, you could hang with Spider-Man, you can hang with uh, oh, Scarlet hilarious. Witch was in there, Storm was in there. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of characters. Oh, Captain Marvel, she was super cool. It's a very strange game, and it's hard to recommend, but, like, the one half of it where Fire Axis really got to develop the game that they wanted to make is, like, so fun. It's fantastic. I wonder why Marvel was, like, pushing for a dating sim, of all things, <laughs> right? where, where you can date their superheroes. Yeah. Maybe they were trying to pursue something different? Ow. <laughs> I don't know. I should mention that there isn't actually romance, but it functions very much like a dating sim where, you know, you sit down, you talk with them, you have three options, and one of them the character will really like, you know, like, it's it, it's that kind of gameplay. Ah, so it's more like a friendship sim? Yes, like Persona. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I, I think what it accomplished in that side of the gameplay was, like, actually giving heroes like a, a voice a way for them to describe themselves because yeah. normally when you read about superheroes you're, it's like a lot of exposition especially in like the the marvel universe the movie universe but in this game you got to hear it right from them you know you got to hear like kind of how they view the world what pressures they deal with like things that they struggle with like it was it was all right it, yeah it was it was cool it was just so awkward being you know like in a hot tub with the world's most powerful people and be like hey so what's up yeah um <laughs> yeah kind of kind of like this podcast now right <laughs> exactly i'd just be like so uh storm the the water here is getting a little tepid you want to <laughs> I'm boost this up a little bit. Can you give us some bubbles? Oh my god! Yeah, actually, Ghost Rider was one of the characters, so he'd be perfect for that. You know, oh, stick yeah. a fire underneath. Yeah. Oh my god! Somebody popped into my stream and like, where's the bubbles? Where's the jets? And I'm like, wait till we have a GTA stream. There's bubbles. Oh yeah, That's so true. <laughs> this isn't technically a hot tub, quote unquote, but it's the closest <laughs> thing they have. But my hope is that the developers of Palia Singularity Six see these podcasts and understand the dire need for a hot tub that is a little bit bigger, has sitting functionality, and bubbles. We need an outdoor hot tub. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's <Yeah>. fucking go. <laughs> oh, man. And also, like, actual swimming outfits, maybe? Yeah. Yep, without Just wings. 
Without wings, preferably. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find something to put on last week, and I was like, oh, like, they have, like, these, like, basically leotards in the shop, but they have wings on the back of them. I can, like, kind of sit in that, but I guess my wings would be, like, protruding out of the hot tub, which would have been terrible, but the shop was glitching anyway, so it was like, no. I get to sit in a tank top and shorts. <laughs> It'll do. It'll yeah. do. I mean, when when we do an eventual IRL hot tub podcast, we're going to be in hoodies and jeans <laughs> in the hot tub anyway. So. Hopefully in our merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We will, we will absolutely be in our merch. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> are we uh, officially on to our third topic? I think now? we are. Wait, this is moving along pretty well today. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I will handle this one. Go for it. Ooh, okay. So we haven't not gone in this direction. <laughs> Our tangents are always great on this. I love it. Show, how about you tell us a story about gaming that hits us right in the nostalgias? So we're thinking like GoldenEye with the bros at a sleepover or <laughs> like, you know, playing at an arcade back in the day, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So I have like a longer story. But I'll do the shorter one first, which is just sort of like this. What, what does the name, when, when I say this word, what comes to mind? Mad Cats. I think crappy controllers mm-hmm. and so many licensed properties. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for me, like whenever I see like a crappy Mad Cats or third party controller, I think Mad Cats actually makes good products now, which is so funny. But um, now they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause they, they got bought out by somebody and they're like, yeah, we're going to actually start making quality stuff. And they did. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I'm like, wait, did they make weird products before? Like, I feel like I would need to see the like <laughs> logo for Mad Cats for that to like spark something on me. I'm such a visual human being. Yeah, it's, I just have such like fond memories of having to go to like other people's houses to play Halo or whatever, and there'd always be like one or two shitty Mad Cats oh, controllers. And if it wasn't your house, you're definitely using one of those. You know, like I just that whole vibe of like everyone having a different setup is very nostalgic to me. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Like you always had these like good controllers that you use for yourself, and then if you had extra people yeah. over, it was like, oh here, here you go. <laughs> Yeah. There's an old college humor video about that. I think it was college humor where it was like the controller at your friend's house. And, you know, one of them had the regular N64 controller and then another one had a regular N64 controller. And then the third guy had this like massive thing <laughs> with a two foot long analog stick that had 18 buttons <laughs> connected to it. It's like, what is this? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly like, like that whole thought is very nostalgic to me. Renting games too, like is super nostalgic. I used to rent a game every single weekend. Like it was part of the routine, like where my mom would pick me up from school on Friday and we'd go to this plaza where they had like a few different dinner options and a, a Rogers video. I don't think that was a thing in the, the States, but any Canadians out there may know what that is. <laughs> and yeah, I would always just rent something that looked interesting. And it was very cool because I never really knew what I was getting. It's kind of, it's not really something you can replicate now. You kind of have to actively decide what you're playing or what you're going to buy. But at, at a rental place, I was just like, well, it's only for a couple days anyways. I'll just grab whatever looks interesting. And I played a lot of weird games that way. And like, games that were cartridge-based, like an N64, you put in and you have other people's save files. Like, it was so weird. Like, you're like who played the game last? Like, so cool. I totally forgot about renting games. I didn't forget about renting games, but I forgot that save files would write to the cartridge <laughs> so when you rented them. 
<laughs> you would have like a save yeah. file. That no, was... You'd have to physically go delete that before you returned it. No, they no. didn't check for that. It wasn't like rewinding the videotape. No, no, it wasn't like rewinding. No, no. 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 Oh my god. Yeah, it's very fun that you could just like load someone else's save or like see what they're up to, and yeah, it's cool. I feel like that gave me so much anxiety thinking about like I only have X amount of time <laughs> to play this game. <laughs> I can only imagine, like, if you've rented the same game two weeks in a row, right? Then as a kid, you don't understand the concept of where the save file is. So it, yeah. it's kind of a gamble as to whether or not you'll get the same cartridge two weeks in a row. So imagine, like, you oh, rent shit. it again and you get a completely different cartridge. Like to go back and try to and beat it. And your save file isn't on there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be awful. Oh my God, yeah. that'd be so depressing. Like, I have a three-year-old niece, and she doesn't understand these kinds of concepts yet. She would just, like, throw an absolute fit. Like, childhood dreams crushed at finishing this, like, game, and you rent it again, and you can't fucking get back to where you were, or your save isn't there. Oh, my gosh. It'd be wild. For a bigger nostalgia story, this is, um, I don't know, it, it's, nostalgia stories are always weird because I don't really know if it's going to resonate with people, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I played, I played WoW back in the day. <laughs> WoW resonates. And I was very young. So I played Alliance. I was something like a 32 warrior or something like that. I wasn't leveling efficiently. I didn't really know what I was doing or where I was going. I started as Alliance and then played Horde. That was a whole damn experience. But I took a boat, a mysterious boat that I'd never seen before, and I arrived in Theramore Harbor. And I was like, whoa, I'd never been here before. And there was a swamp outside of Theramore, and I went through the swamp, and I, it was this whole incredible adventure to me because... I kept seeing like these mobs that were like skull level and I was like, oh shit, where this is this is the this is the bad place. I really shouldn't be here, but I kept going. And on the other side of the swamp, you get to the Barrens, which is horde territory, which is the opposing faction. Now, whenever you enter a zone in WoW, uh, it'll tell you the name of the zone, and it'll also tell you if it's like friendly territory, in which case the text will be green. Uh, it'll tell you if it's contested territory, which means like both factions sort of use it and the text would be orange in this case uh the barons was hostile and the text was red it just said hostile <laughs> territory and little little me was so terrified of this i was like oh my god i should not be here what do i do oh my god um so i went south i was like running i just saw like a big town to the north i was like no i can't go that way so i went south and there was like this uh dwarf camp where like Knowing now, it's like a, a quest hub for Horde, where like they would pick up a quest to kill eight dwarven miners and seven dwarven riflemen or whatever. Um, but I found this place filled with friendly dwarves that had green names, and I went inside their little fort, and oh I hid It's a wonder you even made it that far without getting murdered. As I'm like listening to the story, I'm like, he's gonna get murdered off that boat. <laughs> No, no, it was, uh, I really thought it was going to happen. And like, it took me, I don't know how long it was. It felt like a long time, but it was probably more like 10 or 15 minutes. And I finally realized, okay, wait, I, I have a hearthstone. I have a way home. And I was like, so relieved. And I remember it like it stressed me out like all day. It was just this well, very like, powerful a strange memory. boat have this experience and like yeah. you're kind of like freaking out like i wouldn't remember that I could literally teleport home. Like yeah. you just went on this giant epic journey. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I just that, that moment is so solid in my head because it just makes me remember of like the discovery of how big a world can be, you know, and like your innocence. <laughs> yeah, that that too. Yeah, being so scared of of spooky people and NPCs. Yeah. 
I've had a lot of moments like that in video games where, especially as a kid, I would be like, wait, I just discovered something. Did, did the people who made this even know this is in here? <laughs> like, has, has anybody else ever found this before? Or did this just magically appear to me? Oh my god, that's so funny. Like in Star Wars TIE Fighter, when you end up joining, uh, like, the Emperor's Secret Society. I, I remember getting that and being like, wait... Uh, <laughs> is this supposed to be here? What is what is happening? Where am I? What's going on? Oh, I'm awesome. special now. Yeah, when oh, games man. can have like that, those layers to peel back, and it really feels like you found something unique. You know, like, I definitely get that. Yeah, especially before we had so much access to so many like videos and guides that were on your computer. Because I remember like going and buying a game, and like, oh, do you want to buy the guide to go along with it? And if you didn't buy the guide to go along with it, you didn't have any kind of roadmap to follow on your journey through a game or try to figure out anything. Like, I didn't Google stuff way back in the day. I feel like WoW might have been the first one that, like, you could pay for a guide online, which was interesting and weird and very unique, where it was, like, these third-party people that had created, like, a guide on how to follow the quest and what zones to go through and making sure that you killed stuff along the way and gathered things along the way for experience but before that like you just kind of discover things little by little and you know your experience would be different than your friend's experience with the same game because of that discovery is such an immense part of video games it is and a lot of the time i feel like it's it's an aspect that's overlooked especially now especially now yeah I mean, there's so many ways to get a game spoiled for you now, whether you're watching a stream or like a Let's Play on YouTube or a guide. There's hardly any way nowadays to run into those secrets or end up somewhere you feel like you're not supposed to be. Yeah, unless you're completely oblivious. Almost like you're progressing too fast. I feel like video games nowadays handhold. A lot. Yeah. No, and even if you, like, Google one question, like, if you're stuck on one thing, it opens, like, this whole door to everything at that point. Like, it's hard not to find more than just what you're looking for. Yeah. And, like, everything else is laid out in the UI. Yeah. Like, even here in Palia, you know, say you want to romance one of the characters, you can see specifically how far you have to go to get that character interested in you and, you know, level up to hit these specific quests and whatnot along the way and it's like that just takes the mystery out of it i'm still mad at my chef quest <laughs> i think there is like there are games nowadays that try to replicate that feeling though the, the feeling that we had when we were younger where like we would play a game at home and discover something and then we would go to school and we would share it with everyone right and, they, and we would hear things about the game and you know did you know you can get mew if you check under the truck that all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> and uh a game that came out this year that I think really took that phenomenon to a worldwide scale was Tears of the Kingdom because everyone mm. on like TikTok and everything was just sharing these cool new ways that you could use this device or you can combine these to do this. And the game was so expansive in the number of interactions you could craft and the number of things that you could make that like, it was a, it, the community, it, it was like a whole community around Discovery and everyone was just tuned in to see what they could learn. But he had such a different experience with that game. It's amazing. But like talking about Tears of the Kingdom, like it was really cool to see different people from different parts of the world and how they built things. I hadn't even thought of that. That's so cool though. Yeah. Cause like you would see people like 
I don't know, in Asian countries building these like crazy robots and then in America we're like over here building these like wooden little like structures that are very caveman <laughs> utilitarian all right <laughs> right versus what they were building and like i don't know it was really cool like i haven't played that game i think that it's overwhelming to me because of how much you can do and how open world it is but i watched a ton of videos on how people built things and i thought it was really really cool to see the difference where people were in the world versus what they built and how they built it with the tools they had because uh, everybody has the same tools <laughs> Man, there's so many possibilities to kind of do a study on how different kinds of players approach those different puzzles in that game then. Whether it's based on your your region or your religion, your upbringing, your age. Your sex. Your sex, even. Like, there's, there's so many <laughs> different ways. Because me, I would be like, okay, I'm not particularly good at putting physics machines together anyway, so just give me a board and a couple wheels and I'm, I'm going to find my way across this thing that's going to be it. You know, I'm, I'm very much a, a solutions kind of guy. Um, you know, while another player might build a massive robot to, to get over the puzzle, I'm like, well, that just seems excessive. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of degrees in between, though. So, like, say uh, with your first example that you're going to, like, you know, get a plank and a few wheels to go across. You, what if you give it for a test run and you find it doesn't quite work do you add to what you've made or do you start fresh right there uh, there's so many little decisions that you have to make and like if you pursue the former path where you're just going to like add to it and adjust it that process could go on for a while and it becomes this escalation of commitment where you don't want to give up on it and you make this like abomination <laughs> it, it, it's super fun it's a really really interesting game and just absolutely the way they like really managed to put together I hate to say the best physics system in, in any video game because it may or may not be. Jury's out on that one. Yeah. But it's certainly the only time I've seen a physics system like that that everybody embraces. Maybe something like Half-Life as well sort of had very physics-based puzzles, right? Yeah, but mostly block stacking. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I, I assume we're talking Half-Life 2. Yeah, yeah, game. with like the, the floating boxes and the ramp that you have to use and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it was very simple. Yeah, yeah, it didn't really like let you make your own vehicles or anything along those lines. But yeah, that's not really a format that's touched a whole lot. Yeah, it seems like it's a huge undertaking because not only do you have to give tools that are rewarding to use and fun to use where there is like a lot to be discovered, but you have to make a world that challenges that, that like, will force you to build things that you've never built before or approach things differently. And like both parts of that equation are so fucking difficult. And it's interesting how it was a Zelda game of all series yeah. <laughs> that adopted that kind of system. Cause that's not what you think of when you think Zelda, No, you know, when you think Zelda, you think adventure, travel, yeah. fighting, time travel to an extent. Zelda games do always innovate though. That is the one thing in they common. They do. They do. They they absolutely do. Imagine, like, you know, a new Wind Waker game now where you build your own boat and it's based <laughs> on that physics system. <laughs> That'd be so cute. Like, something like that would be absolutely ridiculous. And then you're, you're constantly upgrading your boat. You're making it bigger. You're making it faster. There's going to be those people that just stack 20 sails on top of each other for max speed. It's very unstable, but it'll get there. <laughs> Can I bring us back to, like, discovery in games for a second? Oh, totally. I didn't get to throw this in, but I don't know if you guys have seen, speaking of WoW, their new season of Discovery that's coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like 
they're trying to take us back to our childhood where like there's hopefully not going to be a lot of secrets revealed and information revealed before that launches and as people are discovering things like it sounds like they are really trying to create this like experience where like you can't google the information about it like you can't find where all these like little secret things are and I, I hope that that's really going to spark something in the industry where like we do have all these like open world things that we're talking about and how we've gone from one side of the spectrum to the other and it's almost like so blown out of proportion that it's too open world and there's too much time that you need to spend in a game to discover everything or to achieve everything whereas maybe this is going to give us like these little lips of things that we can like do because it sounds like you're only going to be able to go to like level 20 or something with the first part of the release and then eventually they will release another part where you can level up further but it's not going to let people like speed run or go through it super fast and spoil a ton of things for people so for anybody listening who may not play world of warcraft what is the season of discovery what are they doing with it so the season of discovery they're launching with um, world of warcraft classic so i watched a, a twitch vod because there isn't a ton of information on it so forgive me if i screw some of this up but they're gonna release like x amount of levels that you can go and play and then there's gonna be certain parts of the map that maybe were underutilized that will now be like different points of discovering something new or some sort of secret and there's new little dungeons and gameplay in these areas and like the level cap will stay for x amount of time and then they will expand it and have more areas of discovery and apparently if like you are behind and like you want to jump in with your friends eventually there will be a way that like you can catch up in a way um, so you're not having to kind of start that journey over and not being able to catch up with your friends. But as far as like all those little like secrets and all those little details, I don't know them because they're not out, <laughs> which I think is really cool. I think that comes out in like two days. So I'm not yeah. too worried about information like getting leaked early. It seems like everyone's going in not really knowing anything, which is yep. going to be so exciting. I, I don't know if I'm actually going to have time to play that day, but I, even if I can just get on for like half an hour to see the starting zones, to see how busy they are, I always love seeing that shit. No, and it's such a different energy when you start something like that with a ton of people you don't know. And like, it's like this buzz. It's, I don't know. It's electric. And now we're DMCA'd. That's fine. <laughs> Not with my voice. Shit. <laughs> Oh, man. That was a really good topic. Holy shit. I like that. I like that topic a lot. We're keeping that one. We are. Uh, last week, Danny did chat GPT and we had, what, did we have like six topics or something? Something like that. I mean, it generated <laughs> me something like 20. So I went through and just picked out like the ones that were actually worth talking about. And this week I came up with these on my own. Kind of based on that, but also more based on what we had discussed where we want to take the podcast in terms of this being a more lighthearted conversation but also a little more philosophical a little more about the the positive impact games have had on us and not just these random questions that an ai made for us <laughs> yeah i have a question from my chat ox capilla is asking if you guys play cs uh, no, I, I haven't played in a long time. I, I dipped into Valorant a little, which is like Riot's Counter-Strike clone. The gameplay style never really, me, though. It's it's so, you have to be really uh, patient and strategic and all that stuff. And I'm just generally not really a shooter person. But 
They're very cool games. I like watching them from time to time, like uh, esports. I don't play CS. I'm curious because I low key need motherfuckers <laughs> to run on that. <laughs> I don't play Counter Strike, but I do play Team Fortress 2 because I am much more impatient and silly. I, uh, it's something I want to say about Counter-Strike. I, I think it's so funny that they did this whole rebrand to Counter-Strike 2, right? But they replaced the Steam page. So Counter-Strike 2, this, you know, supposedly rebranding, at launch had like 7 million positive reviews because it just inherited all the reviews from Counter-Strike 1. Right. All they did <laughs> was they took the CSGO Steam page, uploaded the brand new package for CS2, rewrote all the copy hit publish i mean i i work in <laughs> steamworks all the time i know exactly what they did they just uploaded the new game put all the csgo files onto a beta branch or deleted them entirely changed the copy in the description <laughs> changed the system requirements and hit publish it's their platform they can do what they want but i do think it's funny for sure yeah it was sort of a iffy thing to do especially considering that it has very different system requirements than csgo did csgo could run on a potato source 2 games cannot it's a little iffy so it's a good thing it's still a good game i would say oh my god i totally failed at penning your your kick today that was my first little advertisement about you oh. <laughs> yeah it it it's fine. I don't really need the viewers on this. I mean, as long as you have them and we get the listens later on, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, I want you to grow too. So we need that. And it's nice to get like positive feedback, which um, Nader Nation said he loves to hear it. I was explaining what we were doing with our podcast and spreading some positivity and kind of being a little trolly with our hot tub idea. I feel like when we get a little bit more popular, it'll be really entertaining. <laughs> Sorry, I was answering, Arx Capalot was asking, like, what our take was on the kit community, what streaming communities are best, if we know any. Um, and I was just explaining, like, my experience on Kick <laughs> and the positive impact I have had from it. I don't know. Kick for me has been really positive. And I've had only one jerk come into my <laughs> chat so far, and that was on my first hot tub stream. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I'm surprised we haven't had any with this. <laughs> well, because we haven't labeled it as hot tub. That's true. I haven't had any trolls. We've been, we've been playing it a little bit safe. You guys get a lot of scammers on Kick Because on Twitch, pretty much every time I stream, I get about three or four people being like, Hi, I am an artist. Add me on Discord. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I pull rank on those types because I have been a Photoshop junkie since 2001. Okay. Barely a day has gone by where I haven't opened some version of Photoshop, be it Photoshop 8, CS, CS2, CS3, CS4, or CS6 <laughs> in in that amount of time. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I don't need Streamlabs <laughs> to do my graphic design for me. Yeah. I do it from scratch. So yeah. uh, I, I hate pulling rank, but uh, yeah, lately, I mean, this is definitely a side conversation, but lately... It just feels like so many people are more scammy than usual. I, I swear, half the conversations I've been having in the last few months are just people who either have no idea what they're doing or have an exact idea of what they're doing, but they're too embarrassed to say it out loud. <laughs> it's, it's really, really frustrating me. And I get this in games. I get this in art. Luckily, on Kick itself, I haven't had too many of those people definitely have them on twitter x whatever you want to call it but for me that hasn't yeah become i haven't the had biggest issue yet 
I say before Kick really cracked down on like the follow bots that have happened, I really had very little experience with that. Like maybe I could count like three or four on one hand that I had people coming in about graphic design. And then I think I had three followers that were bots and that was it. So, and I also haven't had any trolls, which I'm super, super proud of. I don't know how that hasn't happened, but. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm very proud of my like positive vibe. And um, I know that I have enough people in my um, stream usually that will defend me (laughs) and my vibe. So I'm not really worried about trolls or bots or graphic designers. Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't had more seems like a bigger concern over trolls is uh spiders from what i remember of your fallen order playthrough oh my god <laughs> that was terrible i didn't know that was gonna happen oh. it's a wonder i didn't like jump out of my fucking chair yeah although that, oh that could have been like a good highlight to stick on youtube oh my god that would have been my reaction i was trying to like contain myself which i think you can clearly see in my clip but yeah. oh my god For those that are listening, I was playing Fallen Order and like I ran through a room and I got up on like a ledge to do something. Nothing happened. And I was like, oh, I'm going to check the room again. I jumped down to check the room again and a fucking spider comes out. Not just like a little spider, a giant fucking spider. And I hate spiders. (laughs) I was not prepared. Not prepared. But you had a lightsaber. (laughs) I did. I did. And I had a robot. But like, how did I not trigger it when I first walked into the room? Like, what the fuck? That's so true. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be done like that, but I feel like I fucked up and didn't trigger it when I should have, and it, then it triggered later, and it was an extra surprise. <laughs> Gotta love spider levels. So Unreal 2 had a pretty good spider level. So you go into this base, from what I remember, and there's just all these little baby spiders running around. And then I think some medium-sized spiders come up a little bit later, and you're just like, oh, there's going to be a queen spider boss, because there's always a queen spider boss. <laughs> yep, there was a queen spider boss. It was enormous. <laughs> I think the only spider I don't mind is, uh, is the one in Dark Souls 1. I thought I was going to mind the spider level in Ori and the Will of the Wisps a whole lot more than I did. Because the boss was actually really easy to defeat and then becomes very cute. Because <laughs> it's, like, possessed by meanness, essentially. And then, okay. it, and then it gets, like, the doe eyes. And, and, like, all the other spiders become your friends at that point and, and Aww, open the friends. path for you. And you're like, oh, you guys are actually really <laughs> cute. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, get the heck out of here as quickly as possible because your webs aren't any cuter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. I'm sorry that we went all off on like a crazy tangent here, <laughs> but I love That's this. That's what this is for. I'm going to reel us back in and we are on to our last topic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So our last topic is how have games left an impact on you, which I feel like we've discussed a lot, or how do they influence what you do today, which I don't feel like we've discussed a ton. Yeah, so... In terms of, like, I know that you guys want to have a theme of, like, mental health as well. Mm-hmm. We do. So I think there's, like, four aspects to the mental health part for me. Uh, so the first part is, like, you know, I, I, I have chronic pain all the time. So distraction uh, is definitely a big part of gaming. And it's, like, brain chemistry. It's, it's I sort of view it the same as uh, fulfillment, where it's just serotonin and dopamine. And I don't mean to be reductive. I do have other points that I'm bringing <laughs> up, but this is a big part of gaming. Uh, it's it's something that allows our brains to feel like they're being utilized. It allows them to grow. 
And while a lot of people may pass it up like uh, playing slots at a casino or something where it's just it's just mindless brain chemistry, we know that's not really the case. Uh, and it does a good job to, to kind of keep us distracted and we accomplish things. And it's just good for our brains. It's healthy. Another aspect of gaming that's really affected my mental health is the connection to others, uh, whether it be direct. Like, obviously, uh, I met Kaylee through Final Fantasy, a very social game where you meet a lot of people. A lot of games, you might just be, like, say, a game like uh, Left 4 Dead, where you could just queue up with three other random people, and you suddenly have these this unspoken connection to three other random human beings as you accomplish something together. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely huge for the brain to understand that we're not alone and that we can do things together to achieve our goals. Games that I felt did this really well, I, not every conversation in gaming needs to be about Dark Souls, but Dark Souls is a fantastic example. Not only because you can, you, if you get stuck on a boss, on a difficult boss, you can summon another player, but throughout the entire world of Dark Souls, there are messages on the ground left by other people, and you can leave messages for other people as well. And it's these, sometimes the messages will be kind of trolly, there'll be a cliff and they'll say, try jumping. Um, you know, not very helpful advice. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you'll get a message saying like, um, you know, beware of ambush on your left, or, you know, boss up ahead, or stuff like that. It just makes you be thankful for other people. Even when you're in this isolated, dark fantasy world like Dark Souls, you can be really thankful for other people. Like Death Stranding, another one of my favorite games did that really well too, where you can leave items for other people and other people's items appear in your world. You can build structures that appear in other people's world and helps them out. You know, for me, I'm, I generally like to play games alone. I prefer like single player story games generally while I do play MMOs and other stuff too. But I think it's really good to reinforce like connection with other people that you're like the goals that you want to achieve are shared by other people and you can help each other out. Uh, I think that provides a lot of like relief to the brain knowing that, you know, it's, it's not alone. Third thing about mental health for games for me is like actually the ability for games to shift your perspective about something, to actually change your mind about something. Not necessarily like like a political issue or anything like that, but just maybe problems that you're having in your life, it can actually change your mind on maybe those things like aren't so bad or oh, a new way to deal with it or a new way to think about it. Like actual like long-term benefit. Like Disco Elysium is my absolute favorite game because it does this so well. Disco Elysium, for those who don't know, is a detective narrative game where your mind has essentially been divided into 24 different voices. Uh, everything between like uh, empathy is one of them, hand-eye coordination is one of them, physical endurance is one of them. Uh, there are so many different parts to a human being. And Disco Elysium really shows how our brain is interpreting all these different signals. And we have to, we have to make decisions based on the information provided by our bodies. And I find that as someone like who regularly deals with anxiety, this is this is everything. Understanding that you are getting anxious because of the signals being sent to you by your body and by your brain, different parts of your brain, gives you a lot more control over your life. You may not be able to completely change uh, your anxiety, but you can understand like where it's coming from and understand that it's just a part of you. It's not the world that's necessarily scary. It's, it's just you being afraid of the world. <laughs> afraid of things. I think that's for me, that's probably the biggest thing that games have done for my mental health. There is one more thing which is just, I, I touched on it briefly at the very start of the show, games as art, just actual raw beauty when you're just struck by something. 
a game we were talking about during the break, Ori in the, I think you were talking about the second one. There are so many frames in that game combined with the music and the aesthetic where you're just floored. You just, you can't help but just like put the controller down and just be like, wow. Every moment of that game is a painting. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. a beautiful game. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I find it really hard to put that into words of what that can do for a person. I think people really struggle with that, even just like talking about paintings or something. Like, what effect does it really have on you? And I'm not, I'm not going to be the expert here and tells us it does this, this, and this, but it, it improves our lives. It improves our mental health and I think inspires us, you know? And I think all of, all of those things just can combine to make gaming such a positive experience for all sorts of people show over here speaking truth <laughs> well said from beginning to end seriously well said and like my chat's like you know your shit <laughs> <laughs> and like i'm sitting here like like you're such a great person to talk to about mental health and like things that you use and you experience to help you with your mental health um and what you've gone through and it it's really cool to listen to these things because it's all very very true and like you do kind of got to understand why your body responds a certain way in order to help it, yeah, right? exactly. And then also, like, we're so lucky to live in an age where, like, I can literally sit down on my computer and, like, I'm having a really bad day. I don't really want to go live, but I can sit here and get into a game and press my go live button. And I have a community that comes and hangs out with me. And, like, all of a sudden, my, like, mental health is so much better. And, like, I have, like, this, like, instant ability to change my mental health. And I know what that 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 can help you know and it, it's kind of wild that we have this instant experience that can help us that isn't a drug absolutely yeah there's one more specific anecdote i wanted to share it's uh it's it's not exactly an old game <laughs> but uh i will be spoiling the end of near automata and <laughs> to play it and have not finished it don't listen if you don't want to hear spoilers <laughs> be warned so the ending of Nier Automata, what I mean by ending is like the true ending. So I've had, you've have to play the game for like 25, 30, maybe 50 hours to get to this point. Uh, and it hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of specific things that you have to do. Throughout the game, there are these 2D sections uh, where you, you, know, you sort of play as like a, it's like a top-down spaceship shooter, like the old times that you would play in like arcades and stuff. And it puts you into one of these sections at the end of the game. Now, at first, the section is pretty easy. Uh, you know, you're playing the same kind of game you've always been playing through in your automata, and the credits start rolling. And the credits are the enemies that you have to shoot. You have to keep shooting the names and they blow up and you get to keep going through the credit scenes. <laughs> That's really cool. At this point, anyone doing this is going to be so excited because they've gone through all these other endings. They've seen other ways that this can go down, but they know that this this is the real one. And the music, the incredible Automata soundtrack just keeps ramping up. This song called Weight of the World, which is about how people can't bear the weight of the world on their own beautiful fucking song that just gave me goosebumps and i have never even heard that song but listening to you describe all this and then say that name it just like was goosebumps yeah was weird. so the level <laughs> keeps getting hard it gets really hard and you, you start dying because the level's hard and it lets you respawn like a few seconds before you die but eventually i was i was dying like within seconds like i would die and then like five seconds later i'll die again and it would send me back and I was like losing hope. I was like, my anxiety was building up. I'm like, am I like not going to be able to beat this? Like, am I not good enough to beat the end of this game? Like, and the music is still ramping up. And I was like feeling like the weight of the world. Fuck, I want to beat this game. What is happening? <laughs> and then, right, or I oh, should God, say, uh, awesome. every time you die, you also have to like answer a prompt correctly. 
like a little dialogue box appears on the screen being like, is life meaningless? And you have to answer correctly. You have to say no. And, you know, are games worth playing? You have to say yes. And like, it keeps giving you these questions every time you die. Are games worth playing? Wow, that's powerful. And I was like so emotional in that phase. I just like, I was so disappointed like in myself that I wasn't going to be able to beat this. I was so like moved by the music. And then the most amazing thing happens. Uh, your little starship gets joined by two others. Oh. And they have like random other player names attached to them. That's and then so two cool. more come. And then two more come. And the level, like more and more of these people <laughs> that you find out later, these are all people that have completed the game. And actually they deleted their save in order to help other people. That's what it makes you do. Why is that going to make me cry? That's really fucking cool. The, the level becomes so much easier with the addition of every two people and it becomes trivial and the music is fucking blasting and you're just like what was this thing that you really wanted and seemed unobtainable before with the help of other people with so many other people becomes so easy and it's just right in front of you you know we're taught from a very young age that teamwork makes the dream work right but i feel like in our uh, especially during covid like in our isolationist sort of state um society in general can be very isolated physically at times it's hard to remember that lesson and that game this ending really really brought it home that you cannot do this life alone you can never do it alone and if you're ever alone in anything if you ever feel alone with your mental health find someone to talk to it's gonna make the difference and you should not have to bear the weight of the world on your own no you never should dude that, that brought me to tears <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> No, don't be sorry. Uh, like, uh, but that's just like we all go through things, and like you don't, you know that you have these people to lean on, or you know that you can talk to, but you don't always go to them, or like you don't always have those experiences in games where like you're struggling trying to beat something, and then these people come and help you and support you. That's such a brilliant way to have that experience. God, I I've been posting this a bunch recently, but I think that it, it's true. Um, people talking about vibes mm -hmm. and like lifting one another and bringing everybody with you and things like that like um high tides raise all ships exactly why not why not like help each other out and help each other grow and be better and feel better and no it's so important to like reach out that is such a beautiful end to a game <laughs> yes yeah that that messed me up for a while and that was like before Holy they shit. had the, the crossover for final fantasy where they brought that into but yeah Nier Automata is a game you look at on the surface and you play for the first 10 hours and you're like, oh, this this woman with huge thighs is is cool looking. Uh, and she's shooting save stuff. lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the game eventually becomes uh, something much, much different. It was beautiful. That's really beautiful. And I don't know, like growing up, like games weren't so mainstream. I don't know, it was almost a sin to play video games or like you were going to be dumb if you grew yeah. up playing video games and like... Right. I feel like video games give you a lot of experiences that like help shape you into like these really great humans and like that right there, that is a life lesson. <laughs> yep, really was. I, I don't think it's even worth really talking about the game awards so much after that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like I would love to like wrap up on that because I think that that's such a beautiful thing to like share and talk about and like be on that level with you show. I really, really appreciate you sharing like your mental health yeah. experience and like this experience with these games and things like that i think that it's very powerful and some i think some people need to hear that um honestly so thank you for sharing so that we can spread that yeah, no happy to happy to help i thought it was like you found it as interesting content so show if people want to find you where can they find you uh you can follow me on my twitch channel i don't stream as often as i should it's uh it's kind of a blue moon scenario you stream a lot <laughs> <laughs> I should stream more. Yeah, you, know, you can find me over at Twitch, uh, 
twitch.tv slash Shohei, no, no dash. Maybe I'll start streaming more in the near future. Who knows? You totally should. And if you um, decide to pursue your podcast, please let us know because I would love to help promote that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We'll do. Yeah, we can do some cross promotion. <laughs> you know, we can always use a, a dip in the hot tub from time to time. <laughs> Anytime you are feeling cold, just, just let us know. <laughs> absolutely. Without our bubbles. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was like, it was really fun. I'm glad we had this chat. Me too. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. I know that this was last minute. I wish that it was a little bit more formal, but we're figuring things out. I appreciate you being flexible with us, and I, God, I appreciate you being here with us. Pleasure to be here. Peace. You've been listening to Gamers in Hot Tubs Talking Nerd Life, part of the Hot Tub Gamers Network. To support the show or to be a guest on an upcoming episode, please visit our Beacons page at beacons.ai slash hottubgamers or follow us on all social media at hottubgamers please be sure to like follow, subscribe and leave a review, especially if you enjoyed your time with us in the hot tub thank you for listening and we'll see you soon